Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good Friday to you. A warm welcome to the call. Great to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney on the 19th of May. This is the call. 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests over the course of an hour, plus a stock of the day and maybe even a bonus buy. We will see. We've got joining us Daniel Ortiz. He is from Stock Doctor and June Beilu joining us from Tribeca. Guys, welcome to the program on this Friday afternoon. Um, June Bay, can I talk to you just a moment about some of the results and the trading updates that we've been getting coming through this week? I mean, very clear that uh, if you consider the retailers best in last dusk today, you know, really seeing signs of slowing in trading. Mm. Oh, absolutely. We are seeing, definitely seeing retailers now posing slower in trading and slower um, earnings relative to expectations. We all have been positioning and waiting for this. It just seems like finally started to take place. Um, but however, we have heard from a, a few other names that's not consumer related, some of the higher growth companies uh, like so uh, Zero that has posted incredible result, mainly because its ability to actually control costs and focus on prop- profitability, which is the stock re-rating significantly. Um, one stock I do want to mention though, uh, they also sitting in, oh, well, actually two stocks, they do sit in the consumer space. Um, the ones such as uh, um, uh, Temple and Webster, as well as Kogan, both stocks have done incredibly well, and they do sit in the consumer space. However, these two companies does look like they're controlling inventory better, and perhaps in the next 12 months, uh, things will look a bit better uh, for these two names. Yeah, you're right. Temple and Webster updated this week and the share price went um, went really well off the back of that. Jimbe, if I can just steal a thought as well on Zero yesterday. Do you like Zero? Was that impressive? Oh, that was very impressive. Um, you know, if you hold your zero, I'll keep holding on to it. If you don't, you should buy some. Um, this stock, don't use $70 or $80 a reference point. This stock, it should never have fallen any less than $100. From here on, it will re-raise significantly just on its ability to really control some of the costs at the same time, still have very high growth. Okay, Daniel, I'll get a thought from you because we had this uh, investor event here yesterday. I keep talking about it, but it was really worthwhile. It was called FY24 Ready. And a lot of our viewers were asking, is FY24, 2024, say, is it going to be sort of a year that we start to see growth come back into vogue, you know, that we start to see a tech recovering? What do you think, Daniel? Oh, look, from our perspective, it's probably going to be um, the year that stock picking returns because now you don't have the luxury of positioning yourself in a certain sector or positioning yourself, you know, in just high growth names and benefiting from that. Now you have to be a lot more selective. And I think Junbei just reiterated that you look at the consumer discretionary space, you've got some stocks significantly downgrading and some stocks upgrading and managing the business a lot better. So for us, that's a great that's great news because we like to be fundamental bottom-up stock pickers. So I think that will be the overarching thing. 
theme for FY24. And we're continuing to see companies who have, you know, coming off a, a peak of earnings in FY22 uh, start to be punished. You know, the likes of Intertech Pivot uh, come to mind there. So starting to be a great uh, hunting ground for stock pickers, which, you know, being a, a fundamental investor myself, I, I'm really excited for. Okay. Yeah, you sound excited. Um, would you be picking in any of those agri stocks? Because you mentioned Inside Tech Pivot, which made me think of elders this week. Um, I chatted with Gemma Dale from Nabtrade earlier, and she said that Elders has been, you know, a huge buy on the platform this week in the wake of its results, which, you know, it absolutely got punished on the day. Oh, look, from our perspective, we'd probably be happy to steer clear from that, put in the too hard basket. I think if you look at Elder's result, I mean, the the sections whereby profitability is really driven, those factors are starting to come down pretty significantly. And one of those clearly um, in the real estate and the agency business there. So we're happy just to stay away from it. Um, You know, we're not necessarily extremely negative or short on the stock. We're just probably, you know, uh, more, more happy to focus our time on opportunities we think are a little bit more asymmetric to the upside, whereas a you know, stock like Elders can certainly fall further, you know, when you consider the cost base they have, uh, falling ag prices just in general. So, you know, why take the risk? We, we would rather focus elsewhere. All right. Um, look, guys, thanks for taking those questions without notice. I did give you a heads up about the stock of the day. Let's uh, just review what companies we'll be talking about in the next half hour first, though. We've got Megaport coming up. We've got Telix Pharmaceuticals, Grain Corp. There you go. Mesoblast and Base Resources. But I picked Qantas because, you know, shares are continuing to rise. So up by about, well, about 3% in the past few days. It has had a very strong performance um, with... Half yearly results most recently. Um, we've got news as well that it will boost its international network with extra flights, more aircraft, new routes as it restores capacity in line with strong travel demand and the broader recovery of the, um, the aviation industry. So yeah, it's looking to put um, more bums on seats. And uh, yeah, we're told by a lot of these uh, travel companies that have upgraded, Hello World comes to mind just recently, um, you know, that, that people are just dying to get out and that they're dying to sort of get out and still fly internationally. So Qantas is the stock of the day. Let's talk to our expert guests about Qantas. Um, look, guys, what do you think, Jumbe, when it comes to Qantas? Because oil prices are coming down as well. That's got to be a positive. Look, it is. However, I, I do think this company has made a lot of money in the last 18 months. Um, you know, due to capacity constraint, the ticket price went through the roof. This company has made a lot of profit, way above what it's supposed to be making compared to the pre-COVID level. Now, what's coming in the next 12 months or next 18 months or even next few years, they need to refresh their, uh, their fleet. They need to refresh their um, their their flights. Um, they need to spend a lot of uh, capital expenditure on those new flights. At the same time, they probably need to improve, um, you know, staff availability, uh, improve some of the uh, issues that on uh, some of the issues they had in the last four months. So, look to me, Qantas has done incredibly well for investors. I'll be taking profit. I'll be taking, um, and. Uh, um, and uh, and then next, uh, you know, uh, and then waiting perhaps in 12 months, the share price will be a whole lot lower. And by then, perhaps you can reposition again. OK, so take some profits from Qantas if you've been in there. So we're calling that a sell, Bay. What do you think, Daniel? There is a new CEO who will be taking over in November. Uh, does she have a tough a tough job ahead of her? 
yeah, probably one of the toughest jobs I'd say heading heading into that company at this point in time. And this comes back to my point about stock picking. I think everything Jumbei just said hit the nail on the head. So we're coming out of a, an enormous period of profitability. I think ticket prices have certainly been coming down. So we know that's a major earnings leverage factor for them. One that we'd be concerned about, you know, the, the factor that's reversing. And furthermore, the reinvestment required over the next probably three, four, five years is going to be tough, tough to, to balance. So from our perspective, the, the best days are probably just behind it, if not, you know, within the sex, next six months, um, that will be coming to an end. So we'd be happy to rotate, but we still think travel is, is a really great sector to be across. So some of those other names, which are probably heading into a period of um, continued earnings and cash flow growth, such as a flight center or even a corporate travel, would be more, much more happy to rotate into one of those. Okay. Um, interesting. Were you going to say... I just want to add a point. I absolutely agree. I think, you know, you want to buy travel agents um, because travel agents will continue to benefit from this, uh, you know, consumer dying to travel as well as the inbound, the Asian, uh, you know, tourists coming into Australia. You want to be part of that, um, you know, whole tourism. Qantas, on the other hand, should be the funding source. Um, And even though next week, potentially Qantas will have an earnings update and it will still be very positive. Uh, but if we if the share price follows what happens to the North American airlines uh, post those announcements, share price actually won't move if not going down. So um, definitely funding out of corners into the other travel agents. So the hello worlds, the flight centers of the worlds. Webjet. Webjet. Okay, so Webjet would be the preferred pick. Oh, thanks, Junbei. I like it when I push it a bit. I think I get the best information for our viewers. All right, let's get to the companies that have been picked by them, shall we? So this one's from Michael, and it is Megaport. MP1 is the ticker code. So Megaport has been in a spot of bother, you could say. Uh, long-term CEO stepped down, share price got hammered, disappointed the market with an update. Um, although I think it was last week or the week before, towards the end of last month, it did have you know a, a big, big sort of... Um, rally, but off off lows. Um, do you see value in Megaport, Jumbe? Uh, look, uh, possibly. However, I, I would say the reason it had a rally is because share price was very depressed um, ahead of the earnings update, and every um, there was a lot of people investors positioned a week update. So when the update came, uh, all the growth metrics were disappointing, I would say. And, you know, based on those growth metrics, it does pose some alarm about where the future stands for this company. Now, the, why the share price has rallied 40% on the day is because they talked about stemming losses. They talk about reducing costs, um, uh, even without the, you know, existing CEO or CFO, um, you know, the the chair, uh, chairman or Bevan stepped in and said, look, we will stem losses. So that is what tech investors is wanting to see um, in an environment where money is expensive. So to me, Megaport is still too early. Uh, the growth metric is yet to improve or pick up, even though the loss is going to be less and they don't have CEO and CFO yet. So it's a little bit early, too, uh, too early for me at this point. So that's an avoid for Megaport for Jumbe. What do you think about Megaport, Daniel? Oh, it might be a boring show today. There's a lot of agreements early on. Um, one thing I, I really like to focus on is when you have a story like this, you know, perhaps a change in fundamentals or a change in investor sentiment to go back six, 12 months and understand why. And, you know, I thought some of the research going back over 12 months ago, they had, you know, earnings of over 90 million pegged for this year at a margin of 40%. So clearly they're expecting leverage to come a lot earlier, growth to continue, and that platform-based business metrics to really shine. Um, you know, we, we'd, be, we'd be lucky to get half of that based on what 
uh, guidance has been updated. So clearly the, the stock, you know, it deserves to be um, where it is at the moment from our view. The, the expectations have come down back to reality. And I think some, some, some new baseline expectations need to be set, but the growth figures look very, very slim based on that recent update. So that's enough for us to, to continue to, to be out of this stock. And I think, you know, there might be potential for a further short squeeze to come through, but geez, it'd be tough to see further upside in this. It's already at a $900 million market cap. So we'd probably be happy to even take take a bit of a, a, a loss and sell this if we did own it. Well, I'm going to call that a sell then. It's so interesting because the brokers, I mean, Morgan says an ad, UBS a buy, Morgan Stanley an overweight, Ordmanette a buy, and neutral from Macquarie and City. So the reason, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I think a lot of time with analysts is that they 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 tend to stick to what they call the stock. Um, you know, when the share price is a lot higher. Um, so many people love this company for years, and uh, you know, for years demonstrated growth in share and one of its first to be really innovating in that space and to gain, you know, to become the largest in the world in its specialty area. Um, but I think just in the last 12 months, things becoming very challenging. They have disappointed quarter after quarter in terms of growth figure. So I think it's very hard for analysts to change that view, um, you know, without you know, right now seeing the new CEO, new CFO talk about the change in strategy or if there is any, um, you know, so I think um, the catalyst will come. It could be a negative one when the CEO or CFO starts um, and then all the analysts can be then have a fresh view of, about, about, of this company. Thank you. Thanks for explaining that for us, Jinbei, as well. All right, let's get to the ne- next company on our list. And that is Telix Pharmaceuticals is picked by Mert. Mert, thanks for watching. TLX is the ticker code. Look, this is a company that is in a notoriously difficult part of the market, biotech, um, but it's selling stuff. I mean, if I can put it as crudely as that, Daniel, right? Like this is the exact kind of um, story that you want when it comes to one of these biotechs, you know, years of slog to get something commercialized um, and then now it's bringing in revenue. Uh, Would you be buying it as an investor though? Yeah, look, this is probably one of the most interesting companies we have on our market. And it's always fascinating um, to go look at these types of companies. The one thing that, you know, I'd point out is that there is probably, you know, a lot of expectations and hype coming out, especially with that trading update, which showed the pace of revenue just really picking up. But there are competing products in here. And I think Novartis actually has a few competing products in that MTR space, the the targeted radiation imaging space. But the key to this stock is unlocking the next stage um, of product rollout. So effectively, what they've released at the moment um, is a product that can actually target um, cancer cells and, and radiate them to make it more visible in imaging for identification. And then they want to uh, eventually roll out a product that will be able to deliver um, you know, a treatment specifically to those cells, a radiation treatment to try fight the cancer. Now, I'm not sure how long that will take, but if that's you know something successful, then the, the share price will be a lot a lot higher than it is today. You know, clearly when you see biotech majors come and get interest in a stock like this, um, there, there need to be products with really large addressable markets. And you know, even if the stock doubles, that's still a very small price to pl- uh, pay for a biotech major if the, if the risk is reduced. So, look, I think corporate interest is certainly on the table here. Um, but for now, we'd probably be just holding the stock. I, th- I think you can probably take your time and be a little bit patient. Uh, and if not, perhaps even take some profits because these tend to be very long-term stories. Uh, so it'll be a while for this one to play out. All right. So, so sorry, just to push the point. So you would, you would seek to get it cheaper or you would just start to take some profits now? 
Well, look, the biotech cycle is, is very similar to some of the mining stock cycles, which I cover, and you, and you tend to be wanting to take profits when they have those strong rallies. So I'd be I'd be more inclined to take a bit off the table, keep it on the watch list, because like I said, it's it's going to be a long-term story. You know, this isn't a six-month uh, story type of company. So I think the market would give you an opportunity to, to buy it at a cheaper price. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't feel the need to, to rush out and buy it today. Okay. What do you think of Telex Pharmaceuticals, Jimbe? Look, I love this company and I wish I didn't take profits. <laughs> uh, I think the challenge with this company, and that's very unique about this company. So the CEO, I actually was invested in the IPO and it's done incredibly well. And it's just one of those stocks you think, oh, biotech, it's done well. Let me take some profit. But then you never buy back in. Um, look, this company, he's done well because he's very pragmatic. He used to run M&A for a lot of large pharma, for quite a few large pharmaceutical companies. Um, so he knows how to build a portfolio of um, products um, to com- and then have sta- staged commercialization. So that way you will have cash flow coming in without, um, you know, sort of building all the risk for the next big thing. Um, you know, and then he take- he's taken a portfolio approach, a bit like a portfolio company, some work, some doesn't. And hopefully net net, you know, they all inch forward, in, um, you know, every year while you have the cash flow coming in. Um, he's done incredibly well. I'll be holding on to the stock um, and eventually it, uh, it might get taken out by a larger farmers, um, uh, larger business. But, uh, you know, I think he's done, he's doing a great job for, you know, running this company. Okay, so that's a hold if you're lucky enough to already be in it. But just again, to push the point, you wouldn't be buying today, June Bay, because you, you could if you wanted to. Look, I think so. But I like, um, you know, previously pointed out, I think it's the same thing. When they have a very strong news flow for these companies, it does, it will drift back somewhat in the next few months. Um, okay. And the news flow becomes a little bit lighter, and that's when you will have your entry position, um, you know, if you want to buy more. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Thanks, guys. So that's Telix Pharmaceuticals. Look, this is just my daily reminder to those of you watching that this is not financial advice. This is not tailored to your own particular circumstances. So you just have to make sure that you do your own research or get advice if you do need it. Um, this next one is for David. Hi, David. Hope you're listening or watching. Um, Grain Corp. So Grain Corp this time last week, I think it was, was out with um, a bumper result and its share price has been uh, accordingly rewarded. But Daniel, I sort of was getting the sense that Agri just might be too hard basket for you sort of no matter what. Is that it? Look, definitely in some respects, uh, I'd agree with that statement. But I think this is another candidate um, for a company that's clearly coming off, you know, what, what, what we, we would consider peak earnings. So it was good to see that they had the upgrade um, to through the cycle EBITDA. But, you know, we still look at those key metrics that would drive the business, things like, you know, winter crop yields, uh, grain prices, etc. And, you know, in terms of the yields, they're coming off of well above long-term average yields. Uh, and in terms of prices, they're, they're still continuing to fall. So look, I'd prefer to be out of this one. If you've held it, you've done extremely well. The balance sheet is a lot is a lot well repaired now um, than when it was coming out of that 2020, 2021 period. So that's probably the, the key differentiator in this stock, understanding the balance sheet and potentially what optionality um, they can do there, whether it's capital returns or whether it's you know further capital investments, um, something we'd probably we want to look into more, but I think this is another candidate of taking your profits for those stocks that have done extremely well over the last two years and looking to reallocate. Okay. Um, would you be recycling these funds, Jim Bay, from Green Corp? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, from memory, two weeks ago, um, Friday, that we on this show, we talked about what, what do we do with uh, Green Corp? Mm. And I 
we talked about that there's a result coming. If you have it, you hold the two result and you sell it. Um, well, and that was a good call. Um, the the, um, the seat, uh, you know, it's absolutely right. We're heading into a drier 12 month now um, and the things will get tougher. The reason share price rallied aggressively is because they, they, they upgraded their through the cycle now, through the cycle, earnings clearly at an average of some, uh, you know, very unusual years over the last few years. My view is your balance sheet is strong. However, um, you know, it's share, share price very hard to rally on when earnings will start to get downgraded. Mm, okay, yeah, you're right. We did, you did say that on that uh, previous episode of the call a couple of weeks ago. Nice one, June. Bank credit where credit is due. So there you go. Take your profits in Grain Corp. Um, let's get to number four on the list. This one is Misoblast. I suppose we could have done this after Telix Pharmaceuticals. Very different story. Um, I, I just think Misoblast in the years that I've been doing this, June Bay, is like one of the most volatile stocks on market. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I always feel I can't keep track with what they're doing now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I remember the first time I saw the CEO was probably 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. Back then was doing the um, the, the, the back um, sort of a stem cell regeneration for back, uh, lower back, um, you know, sort of pain and um, uh, spine issues. And uh, and then it became the heart and then it became something else. Um, but it's just incredible to see this company still listed. And then I think during COVID, they were building the facility, they were, um, you know, researching the uh, sort of, you know, more uh, COVID mm-hmm. antibodies. Um, but it was just, you know, now it's probably too late. <laughs> uh, so, look, I think there is believer in this company. But for me, it is very difficult to understand. Stem cell is interesting and most dynamic space, and but most difficult um, around the world. Look, look, not many companies has really breached that. If they can, it'll be incredible. It just seems to be a very long and difficult journey. They have changed the target market or target space many, many times. And that's probably just a sign of difficulty. Um, but look, you know, they, 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 they have a following. Um, for me, I wouldn't be investing it. I'll be avoiding the company um, just because it's very, very hard to understand. Do you understand it, Daniel? Do you need to understand a business before you invest in it? Oh, you would absolutely need to understand something before investing in it. I think we're you know, on the opposite end of the speculator. So clearly this isn't a company that, that we'd, be, we'd be interested in. But the thing that I'd like to point out, and, and Junbei did mention this, is that this company's pivoted so many times. I'm not sure if that's purely from you know the ability of them to to manipulate you know their products their research or is that the ability of the team to continue to to cling on to hope and raise funds you know potentially if you're a cynic or not that might answer your question but you know this company continuing to burning a lot of cash and i, I believe they actually had an agreement quite a while ago during that covid um area for the distribution of a certain product uh, with Novartis. And I, I believe that completely broke down. So I would definitely want to know the, the details to that um, agreement and what happened there, because uh, clearly, you know, it's not, not exactly a great sign for the business. So from our perspective, you know, it's, it's, a, it's almost like a, a bit of a hopeful one um, for some of the speculators out there. Of course, if there is a turnaround in the bio index, you know, this will be one of the first stocks to run because people will be playing that thematic. But from our perspective, you know, we're more than happy to, to sit on the sidelines for this one. And for example, we'd much rather be in Telix. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you, guys. And number five, before we uh, hit the halfway mark, is base resources. Um, Jim, well, Daniel, I might start with you. You you love the mining space. I'm not saying Junbei does not, but um, let's go with base resources. BSE is the ticker code. Just let me find out who this is for. This is for Steve. 
Yeah, this is actually a really interesting company, and I think it's a great example uh, of of perhaps looking halfway and not discovering you know all the information when you're looking at a stock. So this stock has been cheap for a long, long time. Uh, it's in the mineral sands business. Actually, had a great project, I believe, in Kenya. But the issue is, is that the mine life is heading to an end. So I think it trades on something like you know two or three times earnings. But you know that that's reflecting the longevity of the project. Uh, obviously, the company's been paying out you know of quite a large amount of dividends the last twelve months as well because mineral sand prices uh, have been extremely strong we know that from iluca and if you could i'd love to bring out you know say a five-year chart of iluca versus base and the reason why I, I would love to show that is that you don't have to invest in the small or the speculative end of town to get great results and iluca is just the, the perfect example that's it's you know much larger company but performance has been you know a, a lot better so i think this is a great example stock for investors who perhaps did the work understood perhaps the supply deficit coming um, in, in mineral sands and, and the price appreciation coming in mineral sands, but perhaps have gotten the, the pick wrong. So from our perspective, you know, it wouldn't be something we'd be interested in. The project it has in development in Madagascar looks really good, but it's about 500 mil plus CapEx. And considering the size of the company and the risk of the jurisdiction, you know, there's clearly going to be funding troubles there. For, so from our perspective, you know, we'd much rather be in Iluka. And I think that's a company that still has more to run as well. Okay, there's a little bit of a bonus by Aluka. There you go. Playing the game very well, guys. Let's go to Jumbe on base resources. Is this, um, you know, a commodity that you are interested in? Would there be anything about base that would interest you as an investor? No, um, I tend to, in the resource space, I tend to stick to larger in quality and and the, the companies actually have great cash flows and things. Because when you go to that speculative space, uh, only time the speculative uh, resource or, or would do well is when, um, you know, these prices, the certain commodity prices rally aggressively. And sometimes, you know, when, when it's going the other way, those speculative ends can collapse very, very quickly in terms of share price. Um, my view is that it's the same. Um, you know, mineral resources, you really play mineral, uh, not mineral resources, Resources. So uh, there's a mineral sense that you really play that um, to the China recovery story because China is a big user of a lot of those mineral sands um, and uh, their housing, it goes into the paint. And so hence, when the housing, Chinese housing start to pick up, um, this is what you go into because hopefully you see that prices start turning around. Um, and Iluka is in a good spot. Um, you know, uh, it recently has a bit of weakness, mainly because, you know, people worry about the China reopening, whether it's taking place and housing market is it recovering as well. Our view is that everything seems to be on track. And, uh, you know, Iluka is a much better place compared to base to play that. Uh, thematic. At the same time, Aluka also have a lot of uh, a big, uh, big resource in here in Australia. It's a very de-risk version of rare earth, and uh, that's a very quality asset. So, you know, I know the rare earth price has sort of gone through the, uh, but uh, it does seems to be stabilizing, and it is a very important mineral. Um, well, it's a, it's an important resource um, uh, uh, and quite strategic outside China. Um, so, I think Iluka is a much better buy compared to this one. Got it. So there you go. Both uh, agreeing on Iluka as well. All very nice and, and polite here today. Um, but look, thanks, guys. Just have a bit of a break. Um, I will get us through what we've learned so far. So Qantas. Qantas is actually a take your profits and run type scenario for both of my guests. Um, look, Junbei would prefer to get some exposure to the travel agent. So sort of selling your Qantas getting into something like a Webjet so you can still take advantage of the dynamics that are driving tourism and travel and international arrivals, uh, but just don't do it through 
through Qantas. All right, Megaport for both of my guests. It's just too early for Jumbe. She would be avoiding this one. It's a sell for uh, Daniel Ortizi at Stock Doctor. Um, it's just not worthy of your investment dollars right now. Telix Pharmaceutical, well, both of my guests really like this company. Jumbe said she loves this company, but she would just be holding it now. Hold it if you've got it. But uh, in keeping with what Daniel said, you might be able to get it cheaper because right now the news flow is all really positive. There will be a lull in that news and that is when you would look to buy it. So have it on the watch list, according to Daniel. Grain Corp. So uh, Junbei made the call on this program ahead of the earnings that were released last week. She said you hold it to the earnings and you sell when the earnings drop. And uh, that's exactly what she's still saying. It was a good call. And uh, yeah, Daniel is using Grain Corp as an example of one of those companies that's probably hit its peak earnings and it's time to take profits. Miso Blast. Um, look, Daniel would just sit this one out. Doesn't understand it. Much would prefer Telix Pharma Pharmaceuticals. It's actually producing and uh, selling. And uh, yeah, you may would avoid this one. It's just a very difficult business to understand. And it's been through so many phases, uh, none of which have really come to fruition. Base resources, you just heard them talking about it. They would both prefer Iluka in that space. Interesting as well to note that um, that Junbei says that the China opening, in their view, of Tribeca Investment Partners is going as expected. Um, so there you go. There's a bit of a, a summary of what we've come to so far in this program. Don't forget we've got our High Conviction Fund uh, picked by our investment committee. Latest episode is live on osbiz.com.au. Here's the portfolio as it stands right now. Uh, so look, we have added to Wise Tech Global, MA Financial, which I think was one that we mentioned uh, with June May last time she was on, uh, and Cash, Aspermont, replaced by Kelsian Group. Kelsian Group is one of those companies that does have leverage to travel, to tourism, and also to people getting back on the road. They've got um, some bus contracts, um, you know, public public transit sort of contracts. All right, here's the portfolio, a little bit of a snapshot there, um, up by 9.8% since its inception. And keep those requests coming in. Look, we don't have any double buys yet today. We'll see how we go for the remainder of this episode. Um, let's get to a bit of a summary of what we'll be talking about. Core Lithium, Horizon Oil, Latin Resources, Nickel Industries, so very resource heavy. And then we get to ResMed. So looking forward to it all. Uh, look, Core Lithium was out with a bit of an update on its Finnis project in the Northern Territory today. Lithium, as you know, well, it's had its ups and downs lately. It's been on a bit of a high. Let's go to Daniel Ortiz on this one. Core Lithium, do you like it? Uh, unfortunately not. I've, I've been been kind of enforcing a bit of a sell on Core Lithium the last few times I've been on the show. Not to reinforce my view on Lithium, I've actually been quite positive on, on Lithium prices on that restocking thematic. But I don't think Core is necessarily one of the good ways to play it. And if you look at the valuations, clearly uh, pricing in higher Lithium prices for longer. So some of my gripes with Core is that the resource is still quite small. It recently had a, had a, had a resource upgrade. But if you dig deeper into the details, the majority of that upgrade was due to a lower cutoff grade. So they're essentially including more low grade ore in the, in the pit. And that's probably not the type of resource upgrade we want to see. Um, obviously, there is a lot of mining infrastructure in Northern Territory. But the fact that there's probably not enough you know, adjacent infrastructure, adjacent deposits there to grow the overall resource, you know, it's something we would consider a low life, um, a low life mine of asset. Clearly, a higher cost producer than some of the West Australia peers and something 
considering the market cap it's on, is is trading at a pretty fair price. So we'd like lithium. We'd certainly be buying other stocks, but unfortunately, we'd probably look to sell on core. Okay, what other lithium stocks would you be buying is the obvious next question. Well, for us, Pilbara certainly had the most upside to, to uh, spodumene prices because it's a pure play player. So on the rebound, that was the one I was really pushing um, to the stock doctor members in the investment committee saying that this is this is probably the one with the highest upside leverage. Uh, and I still certainly agree with that. But I think given where valuations are, I think IGO is starting to become a really interesting pick, especially because you know the, the nickel assets are probably getting valued next to nothing at the moment at the current valuation, which is another commodity I'm quite positive on. So I think IGO and Pilbara are two that are extremely high quality, uh, fantastic balance sheets, and, and sure, uh, certainly one we'd be much more interested in. Fair to say, Jumbe, that you would, if you're interested in lithium, you can clarify that, you would you'd prefer to stick with the producers, those in the bigger end of town? Yeah, absolutely. I do like lithium. And I thought they were very uh, unfairly sold off. Um, you know, clearly, um, you know, the M&A that's now picking up in this whole sector is really just a sign that, um, you know, the, 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 the longer term prices clearly um, uh, very close to actually above where where the spot is and the investors now piling back in um, or forced back in uh, because they become becoming you know they realize they just can't pick the bottom of those lithium prices um, and then it seems to be stabilizing there in China it, it's um, you know the space but you absolutely want to be in producers you want to be in the ones that's capitalizing making money off the um, you know current environment other than the ones still waiting uh, to develop those uh, those mines, which, you know, first of all, is risk. And two, um, you know, prices may be volatile. You know, price you can lock. So um, absolutely, we're in the uh, Pilbara. Um, we also have a little bit of IGO. Uh, IGO is a little bit lower risk and lower cost producer. Pilbara is very leveraged to high prices. So um, I'll be holding both. I think they will do well. Okay, thank you. So that's Core Lithium. It's a no from both of our guests. And then we get to Horizon Oil. Now, forgive me, I don't know if this one is producing or if it's still in exploration phase. Daniel, can you help me? Yeah, so the last time I looked at this stock a few years ago was more so developing and exploring, had some assets in Papua New Guinea. But looking back at it uh, this week, I actually realized that it's moved on from that, sold those assets, and it's actually now has two, um, actually has minority interests in two little um, offshore oil producing assets. One actually in the Southern China Sea, which I don't think we see many of um, in terms of ASX listed companies in that region, and another one off the coast of New Zealand. So actually really interesting pivot by the management team. And if you look at the share price, uh, probably doesn't do it justice there, but they've recovered really strongly and done an incredible job over the last few years. Um, I think they actually had quite a bit of debt on the balance sheet, but they've continued to pay that down. So really making hay um, while, while the sun was shining and, and reducing that gearing there. So this company has actually done quite well. I think they're, they're forecasting around $100 million US in EBITDA for the full year. So clearly on a valuation basis, looks incredibly cheap. Um, I think you'd be happy to hold it here. From what I saw, they're still ramping up in terms of daily production. So clearly, and they are you know, on the medium to lower cost side. So I don't think that the fall in oil price is too much of an issue considering it's still at around $70, $80 a barrel and they're making great margins on that. So I think you can actually hold this one for the next six, 12 months, see how it plays out. But certainly if, if you start to see that falling oil price or you're concerned about oil you know you'd want to be you'd want to be selling this one but i think there's enough in it for now to hold got it um thanks thanks jimbe again coming to oil or gas 
Importantly, this is for Leanna. Um, would you be buying a Horizon Oil or would you be buying a, say, Woodside? Look, I probably will be buying the major, the Woodside, uh, just given how, how much the share price. Well, most of the major oil companies' share price has underperformed quite a bit um, on the basis that people worry about the global growth. People worry about China too slow in terms of reopening. There a lot of value uh, without to take high risk by going smaller. Uh, I think, you know, outlook for oil prices probably isn't actually so, you know, with China coming online, growing at 6%, uh, and remember, China is the second largest uh, uh, well, market for um, for oil. Um, and, um, you know, with their uh, jet fuel potentially uh, picking up demand, picking up significantly as their consumer will start flying outbound very soon. Um, you know, I do think that demand for oil will be, will be reasonably strong, uh, even though the Western economy might slow down. Um, you know, as long as we don't head into a deeper recession, I think, I do think that or your outlook looks pretty good. Um, and But the, I'll probably put my money um, in just while we're on it, I mean, could you just talk us through your thesis about China? Because you did mention earlier that in um, you know your view, the base case is that things are going um, well. Is that overstating it? Yeah, look, it's not overstating it. Um, I think it's uh, if you look at all the um, consumer spending, corporate confidence, and everything else, um, things looking pretty good. The credit growth, yes, slowed somewhat in April. Uh, in April, um, but before that was tra- tracking very, very strong. Government has made pretty strong commitment into trying to reignite the consumer as well as the housing market. Um, and um, you know, four month or five month into the year, um, I think we're making incredible growth. Consumer, um, I think, in the latest data um, consensus analyst was calling, it's been disappointing. It still grew 17% rather than 20. Um, so to me, it's pretty good reopening, um, you know, which is tracking pretty well relative to every other economy where we had start and stop um, for many years <laughs> in the case of Melbourne. Um, so, you know, so my view is that it's doing well. It's just taking a little bit longer. Uh, and market's very impatient, but this provides the opportunity for you to be repositioning in some of those names. Commodity. So China to you is a Aussie commodity play. Uh, it's an Aussie commodity as well as a few other, you know, travel, tourism, yeah. uh, all that sort of play. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, Daniel, any sort of house view there on China, um, particularly when it comes to demand for Australian commodities? And I think that also, if you think about all of the tourists coming in and the international students as well, I mean, is that sort of a, a good sector to be in? Oh, certainly. We've we've been playing it through um, some commodity stocks and we've been long on, on IDP education for a while as well and that recovery story. But I think you saw the equity prices move very, very quickly. So there was a lot of hope um, for very strong numbers coming out of China and you start to see expectations being rebased. So from our perspective, you know, when we had that strong rally in, uh, you know, all the all the iron ore majors, et cetera, we were probably a little bit more, well, let's wait and see the data. Let's not get our hopes up too much and we're probably more negatively inclined um, actually taking profits there on a few of our mining companies. So I think that's actually played out almost to a T. The issue is for us, we, we just want to do a bit more work and understanding the local property market because certainly it seems like from the statistics such as land sales, um, average, average values and prices, still does seem to be a few issues there. So we'd like to see that play out a little bit further before we start to get really bullish. But you also got to consider in commodities the supply side response. So for example, in iron ore, you know, all the big majors are growing production. Plus you got Vale trying to come back online, which who knows how long that will take. But uh, you know, you, you can't spend too much time on demand and, and forget about supply on the other end too. 
Got it. Thanks, guys. All right. I think the next one might be a bit quick. It's Latin Resources, LRS. It's in lithium. And uh, look, we've got your view on lithium already. This one, though, is also in South America. So does that pique your interest at all, Junbei, when you're thinking of the consolidation that's happening in the space? No, too high risk. Uh, we just saw Chile nationalize their uh, lithium deposits. So it's just too close for me. Um, uh, potentially could get taken out, but my view is that stick with the uh, the ones with the resources that are closer to home. Um, PLS um, and IGO has some of the best resource and stick to those names. Okay, got it. Anything to add on Latin resources there, Daniel? Yeah, so it actually has a, a pretty interesting project. It's very early stage, though, in Brazil, just north of our Sigma Lithiums project, which is just ramping up into production. So the bull case there would be some type of, you know, Brazilian consolidation with them. But, you know, it's already at a $300 million market cap. It's probably pricing in too much positivity for an early stage explorer in lithium. You know, we, we'd clearly uh, prefer to be elsewhere. But out of all the explorers on the market, at least this one has uh, something genuine going for it. I think there's a there's a lot worse out there at the moment. Okay, got it. So there's Latin resources. It's not a buy. Um, it's an avoid. I call it an avoid for both of you, actually. Daniel, is that right? Yeah, I think it's fair enough to, to avoid it at the moment. Okay, got it. And then we get to Nickel Industries. So Nickel Industries is an interesting one. Um, Daniel, I believe you said that you do like Nickel. Um, is it enough to make you buy Nickel Industries? NIC is the ticker code. Yeah, not at the moment. I think, uh, and it's probably one of the most misunderstood stocks because I always hear nickel industries get compared to, oh, you know, nickel demand in the battery sector, but it's a it's a nickel pig iron company, so it's a very different class of material. Um, it's, you know, mainly their relationships are all in stainless steel, um, so it's a very different class of nickel. There is technology to upgrade nickel pig iron to a nickel mat, which is a higher grade material that can be used in batteries. But the type of projects we like is, you know, more the higher grade concentrate, higher grade nickel sulfite, which, you know, some people would class, you know, uh, call it class one nickel, um, which is really the the area that's getting a lot of demand growth. So something like an IGO, we'd, we'd much rather be playing it. Having said that, nickel mines, you know, it's a decent operator. It's a decent exposure um, to that nickel pig iron market. But, you know, we'd probably need to see something like 70 cents um, to, to start, you know, seeing valuation appeal there. Um, at the moment, we, we don't really find it attractive enough uh, to, to take a leap into the stock. But isn't uh, isn't nickel industry, so it's that pig nickel, um, and, and it's used in stainless steel, right? And, and, you know, if you think cutlery and all that kind of stuff, but isn't it trying to morph into, into more? Yeah, it's trying to get that exposure to nickel mat, and I believe it's already made inklings into that. But still, you know, it's a it's a very carbon intensive process as well. So that's a, a big detractor from the OEMs and from the downstream, um, uh, the battery chain. Like they, you know, they're trying to decarbonize. So that's probably one of the areas where, if the technology advances, you know, that would be a major beneficiary. But at the moment, there's probably not enough there um, to say that that's any time coming in the pipeline soon. And, and there's a lot larger companies um, working on that at the moment than nickel mine. So from our perspective, you know, there's great opportunities. I think IGO, like I mentioned a few times, would be a significant beneficiary. And they're working on, look, I don't know if they'll be able to do it, but they're working on that nickel downstream project, uh, clearly integrating that that Western Areas acquisition. So I think that's the clear winner in that decarbonization play. 
And there's actually a really interesting development project in Brazil, uh, Centurious Metals, which is it, the, the feasibility study has been delayed, you know, almost a year. So I got my red flags waving there, but that is a top 20 nickel uh, sulfide deposit globally. And that looks like an incredible project. So that's one I'd have on my watch list over nickel mines as well. Sorry, which one was that? I missed it. Uh, Centurious Metal CTM, Centurious? one to watch. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Nickel Industries, Jumbei, it's operating in Indonesia. It does have a Chinese partner, but um, is there anything that would appeal to you? Look, um, I think uh, Tribeca, we have had history with this company. We previously were invested with this business. It just a structure is too complex and uh, be- because of joint venture partner as well, uh, as well as where it's operating and there's been um, many um, you know, issues uh, with this history. Uh, for me, it is just uh, putting the too hard basket at this point. Okay, thank you. Too hard basket for Nickel Industries. Um, ResMed. Let's go there. Totally switching industries, bit of a relief actually. Um, talking about ResMed, so it was out with um, its results probably about a month ago now as well. This is for Engel, by the way. Hello, Engel. Um, you know, everybody talks about this as being such a quality company. Jumei, do you agree? Oh, I do agree. I think this company has, um, you know, done incredibly well over the years. One of the most, well, most successful Australian stories into global markets, really. Um, and the last few years, um, Resme has managed to uh, really capture that, um, you know, mark its biggest competitor's product recall. It has captured a lot of market share, and many believe that market share that's captured could actually be, you know, extending to future structurally. Um, now, look for me. Uh, I'm always looking at relative. You know, if I buy Resme today is it going to generate same amount of return relative to another uh, perhaps healthcare company um you know uh, my view is that i'm probably more hold of resmet at this point um you know i'm started buying a few other companies that's more interesting in terms of the um you know earnings growth over the next 12 months the um the main reason is that because resmet's competitor phillips will come back to the market and right now it seems that investors very much fixated on when phillips is coming back rather than how well resmet is growing so i do think the share price will perhaps will stabilize somewhere here that's why it's a hold um, but there's a whole lot of other healthcare companies that you know potentially gen- can generate high return opportunity things like Fisher and Paykel where it is going to it's already cycling some of its really tough um, periods now and uh, heading to the next few years the earnings growth is pretty meaningful. Okay so Fisher and Paykel do you still like Ramsey Healthcare? I do like Ramsey Healthcare. Um, at the moment, it seems like the recovery is slower and uh, the balance sheet it does look a little bit stretched at the moment. Um, you know, many investors were hoping they will raise some equity, but they have managed to raise the debt just given the, you know, the earning resilience is still pretty strong. Next quarter will be a much better quarter. Um, and uh, it's just a matter of time, um, not, um, you know, of when the earning returns. Um, so hopefully by the year end, you will see much better numbers, metrics. Um, so Jubei, if the Phillips question back to ResMed, sorry, if the Phillips question is what is, um, you know, weighing potentially on the share price here, don't you think, or is that overdone when you consider that anybody who has bought ResMed technology in the absence of the Philips technology, it's unlikely that they're going to go out and switch back to Philips or change their loyalty. Um, you know, do you think that that's being overstated a bit by, by the market? 
I think so. However, um, Philips, the product recall has been now almost two years. So uh, Resume has captured a lot of market share. And I would believe even Philips returns tomorrow, um, it will still be another good runway for Resume to capitalize on, uh, you know, the mask sale on the installed, uh, installed base. So, you know, earning will still be fine, but share market always trying to look forward next 12 months. So if Re Philips returns today, that means in 12 months, uh, Resume will be cycling some of the tougher top comps because mm. just because new product will go half towards Philips or a little bit less. Um, so I think that is a challenge for investors to get past. Um, so next 12 months, share price might just stabilize where it is now. Okay, interesting. Thank you. Uh, Daniel, let's go to ResMed. What do you think? Yeah, we've really liked ResMed and we've probably been positive on healthcare as an industry overall. It's actually been a little bit overlooked, a little bit unloved. So it's good to see ResMed kind of showing that operational performance in this last quarterly update, how strong the company is. Now, Jumbei laid out a lot of great points there. But one thing that I'd, I'd probably point out is that, um, you know, the company at the moment is really ramping up costs in the SGNA just simply because it knows that this recall won't last forever. So it's trying to roll out as aggressively as it can. Uh, and at the moment, some of the analysts are focusing on, well, we're not getting the earnings leverage that we expected from ResMed. And we would be pointing out to that's because the company is strategically trying to, mm. to get the largest amount of installed bases possible. So they're, they're doing the right thing in our view. And then once that kind of settles down, we think, they'll have a lot more of control over the cost base than perhaps is being forecast going forward. So we certainly see a lot of earnings leverage uh, potential to come through and that will be the next catalyst for earnings in the stock. Uh, and the Philips recall, it's been delayed two or three times already. So whilst it is impending and it will eventually, uh, you know, it will eventually come back to compete in the market and Philips is a massive company. So don't underestimate their ability to offer, you know, discounting or some type of incentives to get back uh, into the market. Um, but, you know, certainly from our perspective, you know, there's a lot of growth there to come from ResMed from that margin story. So we'd be happy to still be buying it at these prices um, at the moment because, you know, it is such a quality business. So you would, you'd buy ResMed. I think that's your first buy, isn't it, today? <laughs> I think it is. And it's good it to is. be cautiously optimistic, <laughs> so not, not overly optimistic. All right. And um, just on Jimbei's point, you know, are there other opportunities in the healthcare space that you guys like there at Stock Doctor? Look, there's certainly opportunities. One that I've pointed out on the recovery story is Sonic Healthcare, as as I thought there'd be a, a big return in the base business, and that would be the new focus for analysts. Uh, couldn't get that one over the line, unfortunately, um, before its upgrade. So that's one we're certainly watching um, at the moment. And and in terms of other options, you know, we, we've been pretty positive on CSL as a whole. Um, I think the market probably was a little bit too negative over the last 12 months on CSL, considering the some of the industry factors there lower. Uh, collection prices, higher gross margins, uh, higher margins overall, according to them. So I think that's another great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Jimbe, any quick thought on Sonic or, or CSL? I think you like Sonic, don't you? Yeah, I, I do like Sonic, but I like CSL better. I think CSL is really positioned for very, very good growth over the next uh, uh, next few years. And uh, I'm looking incredibly strong. I think that the moment was holding it back for the business they bought um you know indicator looks a little bit weak at the moment but look when the result comes it will be all clarified i think it's uh it, it will do fairly well in the next 12 months wonderful all right um just a final question for me june because we are getting well we're in confession season right we're getting these trading updates coming we will be getting some profit upgrades perhaps uh, maybe some profit downgrades ahead of reporting season as an investor is this is this a touchy period mm. 
Absolutely. So normally, um, you know, we were actually expecting a lot more downgrade around the uh, Macquarie conference, which mm-hmm. is first week of, uh, and we didn't get them. And even the retailers were reasonably positive uh, now. It, but however, in the last week or so, we have heard from a number of retailers things are slowing down. So that absolutely consumer-facing companies will get a lot more softness to come through, um, but perhaps still not as bad as is expected. Um, you know, but it's um, May and June, early June is, is when you'll see some of those um, announcements coming through. Yeah, and um, how active are you being right now, Junbei? Oh, well, we're, we're positioned very active. We're positioned ahead of every result yeah, okay. <laughs> or every announcement. So, you know, uh, in the next few weeks, we will have, for example, uh, Qantas will have a strate- uh, strategy day coming up. And uh, so you should have a uh, some sort of profit update uh, next week. Um, and that's ex- expected to be pretty good, but I don't think the share price will move too much. Uh, we got Metcash coming in June um, and, um, you know, result might be okay, but look, it's really the food inflation, what it's going to do. Um, and um, I think these are some of the expected ones. Um, uh, but you, you never know if the, the you know, economy suddenly slows, we'll hear a lot more from mm-hmm. the consumer. Yeah. Um, Daniel, just a final thought from you as to how investors should sort of be approaching this season in a slowing economy. Uh, you know, we saw the unemployment rate rising yesterday. Like, is it is caution still warranted here? Yes, certainly. Uh, From our perspective, we've been cautious, so we've been carrying a bit higher uh, in terms of the cash balance as usual. Um, What we would be imploring investors to do is continue to look at the balance sheet and the cash flow statement. Because at, at these times, you start to see, you know, some companies try to be a little bit coy with the P&L. Um, from our perspective, you've got to keep an eye on those two statements. Certainly anything that looks like, you know, it's going to have trouble um, refinancing or rolling debt would be nowhere near um, in our market. So, season. Well, look, I think that the um, Skype gods have spoken. We're um, losing both of you for some reason. So a huge thanks to Jim Bailu from Tribeca Investment Partners. Huge thanks to Daniel Ortizzi from Stock Doctor for joining us today. So just a quick recap of what we've learned. Core Lithium, both of my guests would prefer Pilbara and they prefer IGO as well over core lithium and let's throw Latin resources in there as well. Horizon Oil, it's a hold for Daniel. Um, Look, Jumbei would look at the big end of town, some of which have seen their share prices underperform. Nickel Industries, too hard basket for Jumbei. Uh, Look, maybe if it was around 70 cents, it might interest Daniel, but for now, no. Buy for ResMed from Daniel, hold for Jumbei. She just thinks that there's a bit of congestion likely in the share price for the next 12 months or so, but she did name Fisher and Michael and both of them really like CSL. All right, that brings us to the end of this hour. Wonderful to spend it with you. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be taking you through what's happening on the market next. If you'd like us to cover a company, as always, you can go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks, or you can always send us a tweet. Andrew Gagan will take you through what's happening out there next. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.